0: welcome back to episode two of the texas private school football podcast i am your host wes tallis and i'm joined by my other two hosts walker lott and ryan schroeder guys what's up hello y'all and uh it was a it was a really solid week in taps football we got a ton of good games to review um all of us actually did pretty well with our pick records um Walker took the cake last week going 12 and 0, a solid sweep. Me and Ryan went 10 and 2, and Texas private school football guy went 11 and 1. So I think that kind of adds a little credibility. We all know somewhat what we're talking about. Um, I apologize to uh, Southwest Christian, and um, I think that was Colleyville. No, that was, I think it was either Colleyville or Cypress I picked again and was yeah. very, very, very wrong. But we'll get to that later. Um, starting off, we're actually going to look at. Uh, the Division I recap of Fort Worth All Saints versus Nolan Catholic, a game that Walker knows more about than either of us. So, Walker, how about you start us off here?
1: So, I've left the SES uh, Fort Worth Christian game and went home, turned on the live stream, and I started watching this game. And when I was watching it, I believe uh, All Saints was up at the time when they were – when they were winning i think it was it was in the third right after halftime when i started watching it so i can only talk about the second half but i mean it was a shock to everyone you know that all saints was beating nolan at this time and you know they were without five star tommy brockemeyer and then also their four star center james brockemeyer both of them were out with boots on their legs so it was a big task you know to hold that defensive line uh for nolan but i mean from how it looked like the offensive line that stepped up—they played a hell of a game. I mean, you know, I was talking to some of them, and like, you have to give All Saints credit for how they played. I mean, thirty-five to thirty-one loss. I mean, and it was a close game. And you like, our, when I turned on, and you know, the 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 flag to bring back the fay fake pump put touchdown. I mean, that was a big loss. I mean, the announcers were going crazy of how do you call that. For these these kids are just playing. I mean, I wasn't there, so I didn't know how bad it was. I mean, they called it for hiding, but, I mean, I would have let it play. The momentum just switched right after that because Nolan went down in there and scored, and it was just – it was big. And then we're at the very end, the big run by Mika Megua to seal the game. It was just – it was a big loss, and you could just – you could feel it for All Saints. I mean, they were so close for upsetting Nolan. And, I mean, it was a great game. Hamp Bay went – had a great game. Um but I mean you no one just got the the better end of the deal and it just you know Jimmy Taylor went great was a great player. All of them had a great game and I mean Monte Dawson 31 carries 156 yards. I mean and then Hamp Fay 22, 43 396 yards three touchdowns. I mean not a bad at all. I mean Jimmy Taylor 15 for 24 241 for three I mean, and then Amika Megawa, 82 probably of those yards, I think, came on that one last run, but 13 carries, 107 yards in touchdown. I mean, you can tell, like, it was a very balanced game. I mean, just at the end of the day, like, from what I was told, it was a classic. So, I mean, it was a classic watching it. And I, I was – like, that's that's when you can tell, like, there's talent have football when you have that good of a game with that good players. And I, I was just happy to watch it, so –
0: Oh, yeah, no, there's no question about the talent. I mean, the talent on that field between those two teams, you have a plethora of guys that'll go D1 and play. So if you want to watch high level football, you don't have to go to UIL games. You can find it in taps, especially in the Metroplex. And yeah, you have to shout out Hemp Fay after this game. I mean, 396 yards passing and three touchdowns. It was just, it was a monstrous effort from him. And he did all he could to keep All Saints in the game and almost pulled off the upset. But Ryan, do you have any thoughts over this game?
2: I think this game was just crazy. I think Monte Dawson uh, was a kid that played really well um, overall. I mean, he had 161 rushing yards, 280 total yards with his punt return yards on that. Honestly, I mean, this game was just I – was, I wasn't i was able to watch it, uh, unlike Walker, but it was just, you know, overall, I think, I think it was just a tight game, and I wish I would have, you know, obviously been there in person. It would have been a close game to watch, so entertaining at least.
0: Yeah, no without a doubt. It's going to be really interesting to see um how Nolan Catholic uh responds to this close game in the state championship next week. But our state championship coming up this week, but we will we'll look into that once we get into our um previews of those games. Uh up next we have um Parish versus Midland Christian, and Parish got up 14 to nothing early in this game based on some pretty major miscues from Midland. And, you know, Parrish just loaded the box here and played man and basically dared Midland to out-athlete and out-physical them because Parrish knew they had the athletes on their side. Um, the game was 34-7 to at half, and it ended up being um, a 41-7 to victory in favor of Parrish. You know, I mentioned last week I knew Midland was a very scrappy team, and I knew Midland, it took um, a last-second touchdown by Stone to beat uh, Midland the last time these two teams matched up. However, I figured that it was going to be very hard for Midland to sneak up on Parrish here, and I was correct. That did turn out. Um, Stone actually went 14 of 17 passing for 194 yards and three touchdowns, also to go with a rushing touchdown in the third quarter. Um, He started the game by completing his first 13 pass attempts. So, you know, in that type of offense, especially with Stone, getting in a rhythm like that is super important, and you can see because it led to sustained success throughout the rest of the game. And, you know, Paris very simply, like I mentioned, wasn't going to let Midland sneak up on them again. And, you know, you got to shout out Midland for the solid season. Like I mentioned before, they haven't been in D1 very long, but they're already making waves. And I mean, they're very well coached and you like to see a team like that rise through the ranks. But Walker, uh, what do you have to say about this game?
1: I mean, I, I really got to shout out that quarterback for Midland, the junior quarterback, Rival Rodriguez. I mean, 1834, 121 yards passing and then 21 carries, one hundred twenty one yards rushing i mean he hats off to him he played a great game you know he did all he can for the team and it's just you know it's just the talent gap was just different you know and Parrish, you know finally you know learned from their mistakes from the previous game and then it's and pulled out the dub i mean it they learned from their seven ride seven hour drive up there in the midland you know and realized our home our home it will take care of business and that's what they did
2: yeah, no, I completely agree, Ryan. What do you have to say? I was exactly on a point on Ryder Rodriguez myself. I think that kid played so well. Um, almost tried to put Midland on his back at that point, right? You know, it's just not a lot, not a lot you can do when you're playing a team like when you're playing a team like Parish. Um, honestly, big up to Preston Stone. I think Preston Stone is going to be good in the championship game as well. I mean, we can already predict that. I will talk about that later, but I mean. Uh, Preston Stone is just you know an overall good player I think Preston Stone is a leader on this team we we can agree on that Uh, I mean I just overall it'll be good to see him in the championship and um, overall I I would like to give credit where credit's due for Midland yeah without
0: a doubt you know this is going to set up probably the most hyped uh, championship game looking at Paris versus Nolan Catholic I mean it shows us the most athletes and the most electric matchup. So we'll cover that a little bit later in the episode, but that's a really a game you're going to want to keep an eye on, but we move into the division two recap and I'd be remiss if I let anyone, but Walker start out on Southwest Christian versus Fort Worth Christian. So uh, Walker, talk about how your boys uh, proved, proved me wrong.
1: I just want to say shout out to them, man. You know, you know, we haven't really ever gotten over that hump of beating no faith fort worth Christian, over the years and you know you finally did it and i mean i i'm just so proud of those guys you know the swagger they play with the t- like the toughness they play with now like it's a, it's the team is great i i like you know what's my my head coach you know always talks about you know like oh yeah when i was playing you know i paved the way for this success and i mean you know you would think about it you know going how Low I was when I was there to like how they are now. You would feel like a jealous, but I'm I'm on not at all. I mean I'm just so happy for those guys. You know, so happy to be where they are now. And I mean, they they played their tails off, man. I'm like Tyson Flowers is one like is a underrated guy in taps, and that he he was a stud for them. You know, like passing wise, no three for six for forty one and a touchdown, and. I mean, yes, that's not it. But, I mean, Tyson Flowers, 16 carries, 106 yards in a touchdown. And one of the biggest runs at the very end, it was at the very, very end of the game because there was, it was like a fourth, I think it was a fourth and ten or something like that. He spins – he runs it through the middle, spins one guy, jukes another dude and gets the first down and get, seals the win for the Eagles. And, that, and you just see the swagger about him, the moxie. And I, I just love that kid. You know, even – Corey Harris had a great game, 23 carries, 97 yards. The, the, run, the, run, the run game for them was insane. And, um, you know, I, I talked about it, how they did the triple option. I am wrong. It's more of a wing T option. My coach is corrected me about that, and I just want to say that so they know that now. It's more of a wing T option uh, offense. And so, you know, one guy I have to shout out is Carson Tataravich, the senior 9 carries, 91 yards and two touchdowns on the game. So, I was I he was a sophomore when I was a senior and seeing where he came from there to where he is now. I'm so proud of that kid. The kid is a workhorse. He grinds and he's and 9 carries for 91 yards that you that's a that's a lot of yards per carry. And I mean, you you just got to you got to respect it. I mean, he's he's more of that fullback. He plays both sides he does everything for that team and and without them in that offense, like he, they, they would not be where they are. And you just got to shout him out. Um, and one of the other players for talking about forward with Christian, the game would be totally different. If the Carson cross 11 for 24, honestly, it should, he should be right now, 20 for 24. A lot of that game would have been so different. His receivers could catch. There there was, probably six, seven balls that he threw perfect dimes and the receivers just didn't come down with it. And the game would have been totally different. And I mean, you know, that's what, that's one thing they're going to be looking back and watching film for for fourth Christian is they're going to be like, if that, if they caught those balls it would have been a different game, but I have to shout out Carson cross. He played a great game. He made some great throws, you know, he put the team on his back, 11 for 24, 244 and two touchdowns and then 12 carries for 92 yards. I mean, he did all he could. They ran so many QB reads with him, and almost won the game with the QB read because that's all they pretty much did in the second half. I mean, I I was I was very impressed with him for the first time seeing him in person. And you know, any quarterback, any college that gets him, they're gonna have a they're gonna be have a steal with Carson Cross. So.
0: Yeah, man, that's super cool. It's really, it's really cool to hear the pride in your voice when you talk about them, when you talk about that program, because it shows how much of a personal connection you have once you come through these places. And I really like what you said about not being jealous and knowing that you paved the way because every person that has stepped through a program like that paves the way for an eventual success. And it's really cool to see that happen in front of you. But I also have to shout out Jacob, Trin- uh, Jacob Trimble from Fort Worth Christian. Four receptions, 158 yards, and two touchdowns, averaging daggum near 40 yards a catch. So, you know, I've always, like I said, I'm biased towards receivers. I always try to look for the receiver stat lines and show them love. But that was a really – that really popped off the page. And I know that Fort Worth Christian's um, passing attack is very, very prevalent. Um, Ryan, what do you have to say about this game?
2: I was going to say, um, obviously, I think – Carson Cross and uh, Jacob Trimble. I talked about them last week. I talked about them last week, and I said that was going to be the big matchup. I I, said the big, the big uh, combo that I liked, the big duo that I liked. Um, That was I I, I was ten and two last week, and that was one of my games I picked wrong too. We were both against Walker uh, in that one, and we both picked forward Christian. Um, But no, honestly, I thought Carson Cross and Jacob Trimble were two guys that. You know, had a record this entire year of playing well together. They had a record of being that one-two combo. That you know, it was it was it was Carson's biggest receiver was Jacob, and so I don't know. I I I liked I liked how they both went out on um this year on a you know on a bang. They still both played insane games in their last game of the year. Um, you know, like we said, Car Carson had. Um, 250 passing and over 100 rushing yards, as well, around 100 rushing yards as well. Like, that's just so impressive for anybody to do that. And um, But obviously, Southwest Christian, I cannot say anything more than what Walker said, but just impressive team play, impressive playing together as a solid unit. And I'm looking forward to see what they can do in the semifinal game now after proving to be, at least to me, proving at least to me that they're a contender in this, you know, D2 um series and stuff like that so
0: yeah no i agree um that game will set up a that game will set up a final four matchup with dallas christian this week but before we get into that we have to recap dallas christian versus grapevine faith and i've said it once and i'll say it again rolling ball of chainsaws Listen, uh, there was a there was a little bit of a snarky comment on the last YouTube video we posted saying something along the lines of, actually, we, referring to Grapevine, are going to beat Dallas Christian this week. And the second I saw that, I sent it in the group message to all of us, and I was like, this kid has no idea what's about to happen. And, it, and it had, this is what happened. Uh, D.C. had 434 yards of total offense to Grapevine 69. And uh, what was the final score? Like 35 to 6.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: But, but yeah, it was a it, it was a shellacking. Uh, Grapevine's only score of the game was Mark Saunders, uh, their very good running back, taking the opening kickback ninety two yards. And to be honest, that might have been that might have been a negative for Grapevine because that had to be a wake up call to Wheeler in DC. And I bet you money he got on them very very quickly and had them tuned in after that. But and DC um, Gravine almost had as many turnovers as points. Uh, DC turned them over five times with three interceptions and two fumbles, and uh, as DC will cruise into the state semis against Southwest Christian. Um, I have I want to shout out um, I want to shout out um, T.J. King and who's the other person? T.J. King and
2: you, you see Sean Coleman.
0: Uh, actually, Coleman had 81 yards this game. He played really well, or he played well, but not the caliber of game he's used to having. It was
2: um, – Tristan Turner. I'm
0: blanking. Yeah, 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 it was Tristan Turner.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah,
0: with five receptions, 102 yards, and averaging 20. Um, TJ, King, TJ King threw for 265 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, I mean, Grapevine obviously is a good team, but like I've mentioned, D.C. is just on – a different level than everyone this year and you know it's just really how it is but uh walker what do you have to say about the this whole whole ordeal
1: i mean i'm like i i don't really know enough about dallas christian to really really talk about it but i mean if you just look at the stat line from one from one side to the other you can just see the big difference you know tristan turner had five receptions 102 yards and a touchdown i mean that's that's pretty good i mean and tj king should not really be a quarterback but i mean putting up the stats he is, I mean, you got to respect it. I, I, I'm really excited to see the future of Chase Cross, you know, that he's the younger brother of Carson over at uh, Fort Worth Christian. You know, I remember talking to Deuce, Deuce Hogan, the old former uh, Gravon Faith quarterback, and I remember him saying that Chase, he's going to be something special and, and he'll be something down the line that's going to be just as good as me when I'm there. And, I'm, and so I'm excited to see how, you know, as a sophomore – he had a great season, led him to the second round, but, you know, let's see how he can do the junior year. And I'm really excited to see that. And I, and I have to shout out Mark Saunders, heck of a career, you know, played his tail off for all four years and, you know, was the focal point of this offense this year. And, you know, you just got to shout out a career that of a guy like him, he had. So.
0: Yeah, no, he is a terrific player in his own right. Uh, Ryan, what sticks out to you from this game?
2: if I'm being honest, it's the Dallas Christian defense. I mean, look at this. I, I was, I, I know you just, you know, we're talking about chase, but chase did have th- three interceptions and he had, and the fumbled run, um, uh, the fumbled run by great fine faith. And also yeah. there was a, lots of punts and uh, another fumble kickoff return. I mean, this defense special team combo put on a show for, you know, for just playing absolutely incredible, Um, for Dallas Christian and I think that's a scary part um, to look out for in the the next game because if that Dallas Christian team can then put that same defense up against the Southwest Christian that's where I start to put in my mind of okay I like how Southwest Christian's offense plays but it's just going to be the matchup of two um, really successful like you know uh, sides of a great offense and a great defense and I don't really know what happens there obviously we'll get into that later but I just want to say, obviously, I saw I saw T.J. King, I saw I saw Sean Coleman, and I saw Tristan Turner all play in person. I saw them all play in person. Um, how was it? has been two weeks now. I, I I still think that this team is incredible. I still think that these guys are really great. I I still think they're the rolling ball chainsaws like we talked about. I really do think that Dallas Christian is just a really unstoppable team, and I'm glad to see that they're getting. Um, they're they're go they're paving their path how, how they need it to be. They're paving their path how they want it, and there's no one, like, you know, going to be able to stop at this point, at least in my opinion.
0: Yeah, like I mentioned, I, I definitely think that uh this is all Trinity's fault. I think that they just were sick of Trinity kicking them in the dirt year after year, and it just – it created a monster. And I honestly – I wish Trinity was still in taps this year because – I think d c could beat them. I will go out on a limb and say that yeah. I think they're they're very close to them athletically, and I think their coaching is miles above d c or miles above trinity i don't care who Trinity has on the other sideline d c s coaching is immensely better, and I will go to my grave saying that but After that, we have – moving on to the next game, we look at Austin Regents versus Fort Bend Christian. Uh, Walker, what do you – what did you see with this game? You were actually at this game, weren't you?
1: I was. I was. And so, I I was – it was a great game. And, I mean, like, you got to shout out Fort Bend Christian. And, I mean, I want to make sure I get, like, talking about these guys. But, you know, talking about it in the future, I mean, we talk – I want to talk about the player of the week that we talk about. But, I mean – Josh Franklin from Austin regions had a just I remember like I was there with my boss so I work at tech tags and I remember we were looking at him, and I'm like who's this kid and he just played his tail off I mean three touchdowns and I think that kid is gonna set them over the edge And I'm just looking over my nerds notes you no know, they have some good skill guys on that team like that's an overall Regents is a great team, and I think they're going. I think they're going to go to the state championship. I think, for future reference, I think they're going to go. But I mean, they, they played a great game, and I mean, they, they were just dominant. I'm just looking. Uh, yeah, I. It, the, also, they have a punt. They have a punter kicker, at Regents who's a five star. That kid can boot it. Like he's probably one of the best players in Division Two and probably in Taps. That kid is insane. I mean, I think his name is Will Stone. That kid, he can boot it. I I, I remember talking to him after the game, and you know, he, he was saying that he was getting talked to by some coaches. I mean, he'll he, that's a guy who's gonna go power five for kicking, and I mean that's a guy who's underrated in the uh division two. Drew Dickey, I want to talk about him later, but I mean that that kid is that kid's gonna be probably one of the top quarterbacks in taps in twenty twenty-two. I mean, I like him. Number seventy-three. For Regents was also really good. I mean, Remington Strickland, I we I don't know, we talked about him last week. I mean, he is a kid. That kid is a monster. See him in person. There is no muscle. There is no sorry, no fat on that man. I mean, he just mauled people. And I mean, they, he played defensive line for them too, defensive end and looked like JJ Watt out there. I mean, it was insane. I mean, you gotta give it to give credit where it is. I mean, also the quarterback for Ben Christian. He's a 23. He's a sophomore. That kid is going to be something. He's going to be one of the greater in the greater area of Houston. He's going to be one of the top quarterbacks. Uh, Brady Dever. Brady Dever is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in Houston in his class. The kid is something special. Um, Solomon Cole. he it was a great player for them. You know, JD Mitchell. And he was a great player, you know, great running back for them. I mean, overall Fort Ben Christian had some great athletes, but it was just they just got out athleted and they just played out coached. I mean, they there was nothing they could do. Um, overall, I really like jo- Josh Franklin. He's gonna be something special. Any team who gets him, like is gonna be, they're gonna get a steal with that kid. He's fast. He's elusive. He makes he made it. He almost moss somebody at like probably five ten. I mean, the kid's a stud, and I was really really impressed with him. So I mean. It was a great game. I I just – you saw the dominance of Regents, and you could see – I've always wondered how dominant they have been, and now seeing them in person, I understand why they have been the team to get out of there for so long. So.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, like we mentioned, Regents has always been the favorite out of this side of the bracket, and it's not really any surprise to anyone that's followed Taps to see their dominance thus far through the playoffs. But, Ryan, does anything stick out to you from this game in particular?
2: I just want to put, uh, go on a point that I said last week that I would like to re-mention. And it's that the fact that I talked about how the, the four of these teams were the four teams that just run this, run this, like the side of the South, they run the South. And I think that's something to mention. Um, I think that Regents obviously proved that they were the team that, you know, with a 42 to 15, win. you're going to prove that you're the team that deserved to win. But I don't know. I think what we're about to talk to, we're about to talk about second Baptist and I'll, I'll talk more on them in a second, but I really do like how these four teams show up and they, and they actually prove to be, you know, the best four teams. And I, and I, and I, if I was going to talk about anything else, I would say I'm really happy to see that Regents is carrying on the legacy that they they've had in this, you know, in this entire uh, program. And I think that's really impressive to see how this, like, they will never stop. They will never stop being this top dog. And I, I uh, hope for a good future with them too, but.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, moving on, we see St. Michael's versus Houston Second Baptist. And you know, these are the other two teams that you mentioned that help run the south. And this game was close early and you know, we saw the two teams trade scores on their opening drives. However, Second Baptist, who is actually coached by Terry Pertle, and as a quick aside, I actually I have a personal connection to coach Pertle. I played he was the coach at Brookhill back around 2010, 11, 12. And I was like in middle school, like sixth or seventh grade there when he was coaching. So he helped me in middle school football. So I know him. He's a good guy. And he's he's led Houston Second Baptist to like eight straight, like either six or eight straight district championships. So I've always known he's been a solid coach, but he's doing great things there. But like I mentioned, Second Baptist was simply too good in this game. Uh, they pulled away and ended up dominating St. Michael's. 49 to 14 Uh, the difference in this game was on the ground as second Baptist rushed for 215 yards led by Eli Smith um, 120 and St. Michael's only rushed for 30 yards as a team so it's interesting here I'll get into this later once we look at the preview but I think um, Austin Regents and second Baptist out of the four teams that run the south I think the top two teams are much much stronger Uh, relative to the bottom two in that four, and I think, and you know, casual taps fans will see Regent versus Second Baptist and immediately pick Regents, and I think that's kind of at fault. I think Second Baptist is a lot better than people realize now, and you know, I'm kind of giving away what I'm thinking I'm gonna pick for the game, but you know, it's just something to keep in mind and think about. But Walker, I'll start with you first. Is there anything here that you want to highlight from this game?
1: So I've Really, I was looking for looking into recruiting, seeing who I can shout out this week. You know, I was looking at Second Baptist, looking at the stats, and Eli Smith, that running back, that kid is a player. You know, 21 carries, 120 yards, three touchdowns, and then I really okay. So, Finn Nicholson, the quarterback over there at Second Baptist, he was the backup of if uh, going out of private school for five seconds. The Connor Wegman is the starting quarterback at Bridgeland, Cypress, Bridgeland. Finn was a great sophomore there. And then Connor took over his job in junior year. And then he went to second Baptist. But Connor's now probably the top three quarterback in public school football in the class of 22. So it's understandable. But Finn, don't disrespect Finn Nicholson. I mean, he's getting looked at by D1 schools right now for playing quarterback. He had a great, like, I remember sophomore year at Bridgeland and has done great here at second Baptist. I mean, 19 for 1, 14, 120 yards is two touchdowns. Passing yards isn't great, but I mean, nine 14, I mean, that's good right there. And I mean, it, they have some talent over there at second Baptist. And I mean, it, I love regions. I watch them play, but I'm, you know, don't get, don't get a twist that second Baptist is going to put it like a good game against them.
0: Oh, 100%. I'm very excited to watch that. And like I said, we'll hide that um, coming in a little bit. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about this matchup?
2: Yeah, and I I was going to talk about another second Baptist player on that team that I liked. And you said Nicholson, but I was going to say Eli Smith. Eli Smith's the running back, and I think that he's a great player. Obviously, the guy's averaging, for what it seems like, over 100 yards a game this season, which is insane anybody that's averaging over 100 yards is insane and i'm excited to see how he plays up against this region team um if i'm being completely honest and i think that he's going to have a great impact in this game
0: yeah no it was a it was a very dominant effort from second baptist and one worthy of noting is we will look into this matchup which is one of my favorites um in a little bit here but that is all the analysis we have for division two is now we move on into division three and uh, I really don't want to talk about this, but Colleyville Covenant versus Arlington Grace Prep. Uh, sweet Lord, I have never regretted a pick more in my life. Um, I picked uh, I picked Arlington Grace Prep. Um, I think I was just looking at common records and other stuff. I might have picked the wrong team for all I know. Uh, but um, Colleyville beat them 40 to 3. Uh, and it was 28-3 to three at halftime. Uh, the fate of the game was sealed very early as Austin Sheets threw for 240 yards and rushed for 40. So, you know, uh, shout out Austin Sheets and uh, Colleyville for making me look like a fool. But um, uh, is there anything that y'all want to hit from this game? Anything that stands out?
1: Um, For me, I know there are some guys over there at Colleyville Covenant. And I was like – you know, when I talked about earlier doing recruiting, I mean, I was very shocked at the talent they have over there at Colleyville Covenant. I mean, I mean, it was pretty freaking interesting to see. They have a guy I'm going to talk about later who I think is going to be a stud in 2020, uh, 22 or 23, I believe. I mean, Covenant's got some guys that quarterback over there, Austin Sheets. I mean, he's a player going to, I think he's going to baseball at Weatherford, junior college uh so i mean they have they have a good baseball coach because i believe vernon wells the great baseball player he is now one of the i think he's a baseball coach i mean also i think football coach there at covenant christian so i mean they have good coaches over there and uh, they're gonna be a big powerhouse and probably one of my favorites for division three this year
0: oh yeah for sure uh ryan do you have anything
2: i i two points to hit on and one of them you just covered with austin sheets Austin Sheets had five touchdowns. I think that's something worthy just to say off rip. Uh, The kid's insane. I think that um, that was – and that was one of the – him alone was one of the reasons why I thought they were just going to, like, play so well against Grace Prep. I thought Austin Sheets was going to take over. Um, Just to let you all know, I was right. Um, But, uh, no, I was going to say, this defense is good too, though. And I think that's what you're alluding to later, but – Jalen Talton, not to say anything about the Grace Grace Prep quarterback, but I was just going to say he had five interceptions. Um, so this defense was a monster uh, out here. I mean, it, five interceptions for any defense is is great, and I think that's um, part of the reason why um, uh, Arlington Grace Prep is actually putting in other quarterbacks too. But I, I you know, if I'm being completely honest. I, I like Covenant Christian. I think Covenant Christian has a lot to go, uh, a lot going for them, and I think we'll talk about them later. But that's all I'll say for now. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, no, for sure. And that. Um, moving on to the next game, we see Fort Worth Lake County take on Lubbock Trinity, and this game ended twenty-one to seven in favor of Fort Worth Lake County. Uh, the difference in this game was made by Hayden White's, who scored two of Fort Worth's three touchdowns and sealed it up with an interception um well make when it was 14 to seven with four minutes and 22 seconds remaining so yeah is there anything y'all want to hit on from here
1: i mean for uh, me i mean for me i it's it's lake country i gotta represent my fourth school lake country oh christian
0: it's that my bad my bad
1: no it's all good it's one letter my dad pointed that out to me that we both said that last episode so i mean <laughs> i i gotta i gotta point Got to give my respect. So the quarterback over there at Lake Country is the younger brother of the former quarterback over there, Ryan Hollingsworth. Transferred to Willow Park Trinity Christian for his senior year, and I think I wanted I wanted to shout out him because he's had a great career. You know, lost in the last round, but I mean, you got you got to give him up to him. But his younger brother, Kate, is now the starting quarterback over there at uh, uh, Lake Country, and he's done a great great job leading them this year. And you know, Hayden White's is a big time player you know he's gotten a few offers and i think he's gonna blow up for sure you know having to probably get a division two offer for sure i think that's what he'll end up but i mean he's a great player in division three and i'm i'm really excited to see how far he can bring that team to how far into the playoffs so
0: yeah of course Ryan.
2: uh no i just think i think i think that's about just as much as i was gonna say um, I think this is the game that I predicted wrong. I think this is the other game I predicted yeah. wrong. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I think uh I was putting a lot of a lot of my mind into just the fact of uh the win. It was the win against uh uh Lubbock Trinity had the win against uh the who's who's the team that was predicted to be number one? Oh
1: Pantigo. Yeah.
2: Pantigo. They had the win oh, against yeah. Pantigo. And so I said Oh, they're gonna win the game. I wasn't. I didn't. I don't know. I guess I just didn't put enough effort into looking looking into that. But yeah, uh, big up to Fort Worth Lake Country. Uh, they. Well, what's it called? Hopefully, they uh, will have a matchup. Hard. I guess a big matchup against Colleyville Covenant now. So,
0: yeah. No. And yet again, Lake Country. I apologize for uh, all the fans I've made angry over the last week saying that. But that wraps that up. Uh, now we look at San Antonio Holy Cross versus the Woodlands Legacy Prep. And this game ended with um, an electric offensive outputting from Holy Cross being 59 to 42 in favor of Holy Cross. Um, they amassed 583 total yards, which is incredibly impressive. Uh, Jordan Battles passed for 179 yards and three touchdowns, and Battles also ran for 175 yards and another touchdown. Uh, that's, that's Johnny Manziel uh, type stuff right there. Uh, you also see Marcos Jimenez Idio catch three touchdown passes and Romelo Portillo run for two touchdowns so you know um, that's that's a lot of offensive stats worth noting for Holy Cross so is there anything specific I want to look into there?
1: I mean like have you looked and seen what Jordan battles look like? I'll have it up on the screen but I mean Jordan battles is a unit like that man looks the part. And I mean, so he came from Converse Judson, another, it's a, was a powerhouse in UIL in San Antonio. Usually one of the two teams of that and Ciblo Seal that make it out of San Antonio. He came from, uh, from Converse Judson and man, he's been on a pat war path this year. And I oh my mean, God. That, the kid is, he is a big boy. And I mean, like, I am very impressed, and I think uh, he was one of the kids I wanted to highlight this year because I'm surprised no team in co- – like, a lot of colleges haven't found this kid and went, all right, that's an offer. Because, I mean, the kid th- – that's someone, if any college coach is listening, that's a kid you have to look into because I'm very impressed. And he, he passes the eyeball test. And I'm really excited to see what they did next week because, I mean, he, he was, like you said, Johnny Manziel-like numbers, so –
0: Oh yeah, hang on. I'm sending y'all something in the group message. Uh, that's got to be the picture you put on the screen. It's one of the coldest pictures I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, no, he he certainly does. Uh, he certainly does look the part. And you know, to be leading an offense that electric is is a feat in itself. But uh, Ryan, is there anything else you wanted to hit on after Walker's <laughs> points? Yeah, exactly. That's a good
2: photo. That's a good. Photo. Yeah, I'll put
1: that on the screen for sure.
2: Uh, so. No, oh, he's a, he's a big dude. And I don't think, I think this is wrong. This says 182 pounds. I think this is a bigger dude than 182 pounds. Uh, uh, but no, yeah, his two, four, seven may not, may not look the part for what he is, but he still looks scary in his two, four, seven picture. So uh, have that be known. Uh, no, Jordan battles, big, big up to that guy. Uh, I'm excited to see what Holy cross does for sure.
0: I'm looking at his college list. I see Incarnate Word, Lamar, UTSA, Baylor, Kansas. Obviously, none of that looks like – all those seem interested. They're not – oh, wait, Incarnate Word, uh, Lamar, and UTSA have offered him. So, you know, that's probably – that's a prospect to keep an eye on moving forward. But um, that's all the commentary we have on that game. Now we look at Cypress Christian versus Bay Area Christian – uh, Cypress was a team I was very high on last week I spoke at length about because they had played grace earlier in the season they took them to the wire very good coaching you heard all that from the last episode but Cypress outscored Bay Area Christian 31 to nothing in the second half en route to a 38 to 7 victory uh, the game was actually 10 to 7 Bay Area in the third and then Cypress just caught fire for a 31 to nothing run ignited by Jackson Bronze pick six so I mean what do y'all? Is there anything specific y'all think um, just really set Cypress Christian apart from Bay Area in the second half, or is this just kind of a freak thing?
2: I, I think we'll talk about it later. But you you got to know who Cypress Christian's coach is. Oh yeah, you got to know that it's is uh, Mr. Hogan himself. I mean, I think I think that alone. If you have that locker room presence at any time anywhere you know he's going to be getting on their butts about you know showing who they are showing what type, what kind of team they are and uh but no i think yeah cypress christian kind of just got woken up and they're like whoa what what are we doing where are we we're down three points we need to you know get some electricity in here right and so i think that's that's kind of kind of good that uh they found that within themselves and obviously you don't you don't just find that electricity and, and, you know, and, and not like do anything with it. You go 31 points with it and you show that this is the type of game that you wanted to play, not the 10 seven that you were or seeing at halftime, you know? So.
0: Yeah, exactly. Walker, you have anything to add to that?
2: I mean, I
1: think he talked to everything. I, I really don't because I think y'all both explained it really well. So.
0: Oh yeah. And like we mentioned, um, that 31 to nothing uh, outburst and that type of energy isn't something you just come up with on the spot in a game like that. That is things that are developed in a locker room through coaching tactics throughout the year and throughout the years prior. So again, that just goes to show you how much coaching matters and how much good coaching matters uh, in, in football and in taps, especially, but that, Wraps up the Division Three analysis. We have now we move into our final two games out of Division Four, where we saw Waco Riker take on First Baptist Academy. Um, Riker actually led this game thirteen to nothing at half and held um, First Baptist's <laughs> dynamic offense in check, while they ended up racing to a thirty-four to ten win. Riker was led by University of Idaho commit Eli Cummings, who rushed for an astounding 251 yards, also adding a pair of touchdowns to his resume for the day. Uh, Riker has now won four consecutive games and will be playing for a state championship this week after a 1-4 and four start. So, you know, that's really interesting to see uh, Riker get this kicked into gear. And, you know, they played – that 1-4 start is in part due to they play tougher opponents to start their season – However, it's really impressive to see a team flip that quickly, and I don't know many one in four teams that have ended up playing for state championships, but, you know, you got to shout out Riker for that.
1: Um, Walker, is there anything that you want to hit on from here? I mean, I was looking into it. Eli Cummings, that senior running back, is a dude. I mean, he is going to play college ball, and he transferred from Waco La Vega this year. I mean, they're lucky they have him on that team. That that kid is a superstar, and he's been – all for them. And I really – and the quarterback over there, Jake Boozer, he also looks the part. I mean, that kid can also for sure go play college ball as well. He's also a great quarterback for them, and he's been doing great for them. So,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Ryan?
2: I don't know. I'm just impressed by the one-in-four start, like you said. I mean, that's – I mean – Guys get down bad about that stuff. Guys get down bad, and, and, they, and they, you know, they go into the, this mental state of, well, I don't know if we can do this anymore. And clearly not for Waco Riker as they turn the, you know, flip the script on that. So,
0: Yeah, I agree. And also I want to take Eli Cummings and use as an example that there are, um, there are Division One athletes, Power 5 athletes, all the way through TAPS. This is a Division Four. Uh, this is teams that are significantly smaller than the Nolan Catholics, the parishes, the Fort Worth All Saints of the world. So, I mean, yet again, like I mentioned, part of this reason we're doing this is to show light on TAPS kids and to say uh, this is kind of an untapped well that coaches can look a lot more into. So, literally, you look anyone, anywhere from D1 to D4, or top to bottom, you will see athletes and you will find them if you look for them. Mm-hmm. But moving into the final game, we have to recap we see Shiner St. Paul took on Tom Ball-Rose Christian, and the Cardinals only ran four plays in the first quarter, but three of those resulted in touchdowns. Um, St. Paul led 42-14 at half and added some insurance in the second half, um, eventually emerging victors to the tune of a 56-21 victory. Junior Zach Johnson showed a Herculean effort, rushing for 222 yards, logging four touchdowns, uh recovering an onside kick and recording an interception just because why not at that point so i mean that that's one of the more impressive stat lines i've seen in a while but y'all know uh, is there anything that sticks out to either of y'all from this
1: nah I mean, I go mean, off
0: yeah exactly
1: <laughs> zach <That's>
2: johnson a... <laughs> the man
0: <laughs> no kidding but you know that'll that'll set up That'll set up um, a state championship game between Waco Riker and Shiner St. Paul that we will get into at the end of the episode. But that is actually all the analysis we have for last week's games. And now we're going to look into something that's very interesting, um, the SBC season recap. And this is something that, you know, is is personally sad and frustrating, in my opinion. Um, the Southwest Preparatory Conference is essentially for people who don't know it's um, it's a conference like taps where private schools uh, congregate and have a league and they play and a lot like a lot of very very elite athletes come out of SPC and you know without mincing words the SPC kind of screwed their season um, it was crazy scheduling very few games were played and I liken it to the Big Ten um, it seemed like they wanted to be trailblazers and cancel their season before everyone else and just get on the train and have everyone follow them. Well, the big 10 and the SBC did that. And then leagues like UIL and taps and, you know, the sec and the big 12 were like, no, we think that we can work through this and make a safe environment for our kids to play in. And the SBC, like the big 10, were just like, no, we're going to stay canceled. And then we get a couple weeks into the season and they're like, Oh no, we have to find a way to somehow kind of play. And then it just leads to incredibly messy scheduling. There's no there's no uniformity among the conference. Everyone's kind of on their own. Cistercian didn't even play this year. And there wasn't even an official state championship. I think, yeah, Kincaid was crowned the unofficial state champs um, with a win over Bel Air Episcopal. But you know, Kincaid went 7-0. Bel Air went two and four. St. John's went three and three. Episcopal School of Dallas only played three games as as many others did. So, you know, I feel I feel for the kids here. You know, I think this is a decision made by higher-ups. And, you know, they make this decision for the safety of these kids. But at the same time, you got to look at the bigger picture and you have to adjust when change is needed. And I just feel like that wasn't done here. But is there anything else you want to add to this? I just rambled for a really long time. Is there any points that you want to hit on?
2: No, I was going to say I like I the analogy between the Big Ten and the SBC because I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's exactly what it is. I think I think they went through that same mindset that you are talking about of whether they should play or not, and then eventually they kind of like, at the last second, they were kind of like, oh, we want to join in too. Like, we're going to join in too now. And in reality, there was no time left. So very sad for those kids, very sad for all of them, all the, um, you know, seniors that, you know, really didn't get to have their senior season, you know that's kind of that's kind of um, sad to look on um, from the outside in
0: yeah no it's really gut-wrenching when you think about that I mean think about your senior season of athletics being taken away from you or minimized I mean it it sucks I mean it's it's not fun at all but we actually we have some SBC prospects dimension and I'll turn to our recruiting expert Walker to uh, to break these down
1: I mean I need to look into him more, but you know Jake yeah. Peterson, the John, the linebacker going to Penn. There's Colin Montgomery, the lineman from Bel Air going to Oklahoma. Donovan Jackson, with you know Tommy Brockemeyer, arguably one or two, two or one player in the state of Texas. Ohio State going to Ohio State, and Dylan Bell, the 22 athlete from Kincaid, has offers from Tennessee and Toledo. And I believe uh, Luis, uh, the other lineman from Bel Air Episcopal, the third one, uh, Luis, I don't know how to say last name Tariva, something like that. He just got he just committed to uh, Prairie View A M. So you know those are the big guys in uh, SPC this year. I mean Donovan, like I would like any school in the country would love Donovan Jackson. Donovan Jackson is probably one of the best technique linemen to come out of like high school in a while the man i remember i was able to go watch him at the opening uh his junior going into his junior year and the man was beating all american seniors one-on-one as a junior in high school beating seniors and then it just showed how impressive he was at that time and even better now you know uh, you know, I, I believe he has Ohio State connections, and you know, shout out to him. He's going to have a great career over there at Ohio State. Colin Montgomery's a mauler, big boy. You know, Oklahoma's really happy that they have him. Like, I have a guy bringing from a guy from Houston, which is a lot of strongholds for another place. go bringing him up to Oklahoma. I mean, he's a great player. You know, a lot of other schools were really interested in him. I mean, any linebacker that's going to pin, you know, that guy has to be a very high academic player. And I mean. John, I, I can't really talk a lot about him, but, I mean, he must be a baller. I mean, and then Dylan Bell, I mean, having a Tennessee offer as a junior and playing not that, that many players, and he, he must be a baller as well. I mean, Kincaid also has guys, came and dunking, going to Dartmouth, uh, 21 defensive lineman Ezekiel Evans, and then 22 athlete, Mr. Do-It-All, Mr. Dylan Bell, which I just talked about. So, I mean, those are those guys, you know, some of the highlights of uh, their prospects in SPC.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it seems like the SPC is a smaller conference than TAPS, but it seems like there's a much heavier concentration of elite talent within SPC, because I mean I was looking. We'll, we'll, I'm going to tease a segment for a future episode, but we're looking at guys. Um, we're looking at guys who have gone on from private schools and been elite talents, and you look at some of like some of the best players in college football right now came from private school. So, I mean, it's something to keep an eye on and keep an ear out for when we, when we actually do talk about it. But moving on from the SBC season recap, Ryan, there's nothing else you wanted to add, right?
2: No, that's good. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, we go into players of the week. And for uh, the large school, we have Josh Franklin from Austin Regents, 21 wide receiver, who had six grabs, 99 yards, three touchdowns, and a 93-yard kickoff return. Uh, very, very solid. Obviously a good player on a dominant Regents team. And we look at small school, we see uh, Marcos uh, Marcos Jimenez-Cedillo, a uh, 22 wide receiver who had three grabs for 140 yards, three touchdowns, seven tackles. Uh, the yards per catch on that thing, I'm not great at math, but that's just, that's rather insane, I'd have to say. But guys, what do y'all have to hit on from these from these two players?
1: I mean, for me, I I'm looking at my notes right now from the from the game from the Regents game, and I go, I mean, month, uh, sixteen scored second touchdown, uh, sixteen did another thirty yard punt return. Kid is a stud. I mean, six uh, like it, sixteen best player for Regents. I mean, it just Regents fifty one yard dime to sixteen per second touchdown for the kid. Probably probably like he pushed off a little bit, but great effort. I mean, you it just it just goes down the list of like how many times I've talked about sixteen and just how a good of a player he is. You know, any kid any college in the state of Texas or anywhere in the country, you're gonna get a steal in Josh Franklin if he wants to play college ball.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Ryan.
2: No, I think I think Josh Franklin's a great player. Um and I think we're obviously gonna talk about uh Marcus as well. Uh the kid kid's a stud. I mean, you're trying to do the math on that a second ago, but I, honestly, I mean, I, I'm excited for what this team can do. I'm excited for – I, I kind of said it when I was talking earlier, but I think um, I'm excited for what overall Holy Cross has done, and um, I, I think he'll be a big matchup to look – he'll be a big guy to look at when they play against Cypress Christian, um, especially, you know, trying to figure out what all impact he can have alongside, uh, you know, alongside battles, you know, so –
0: yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, for the folks at home, that is 46 yards per catch. I, I whipped out a calculator and figured that out really quick. But uh, this actually makes me very happy to see, you know, I've, I'm a broken record. I'm a former wide receiver, um, very biased towards wide receiver stats, and both players, big school and small school are wide receivers. So it's a, it's a rather happy day for me to see this. But we're actually going to introduce a new segment now called the Mount Rushmore of coaches. We're going to look we're going to go and take a dive and look at uh some of the best people that have come coach through texas private school football and you know kind of try to form a mount rushmore so about four guys that we would put on that upper echelon of coaches um we'll take a second to talk about our own coaches uh just because we have personal experience with all of them i'll start first um Norm Thompson is the coach at Grace. He took over after a roughly 10-year stint from very well-respected coach Mike Maddox. And um, i just like to say, Coach Thompson is hands down the best coach I've ever played under in my life. Um, he's very, very solid. He cares about the players as young men before anything else. Um, and he, is, he has done great things with this team. He earned the head coaching job after a one-year interim stint And especially this year, when you heard talk around the Grace program about this team, it was rather pessimistic. Not a lot of guys thought this team would even make the playoffs, let alone be number two behind D.C. in a very good district. And uh, Coach Thompson just made sure his kids didn't believe any of that or what they heard. And he he took that team. And even though they had a, a shorter exit in the playoffs than they would have liked, they all did great things. So, I mean, that's my spiel. I mean, I am I have a very, very high-level respect for Coach Thompson, and I'd be remiss if I went through this segment without mentioning him. But Walker, Ryan, I know y'all have great coaches at you all schools as well, so y'all want to talk about them for a brief moment?
2: Uh, Walker, you got it. You go first, man.
1: Oh, okay. So, Jeremy Flowers, he's a head coach at Fort Worth Southwest Christian. He came in my sophomore year. And, you know, my freshman year, we uh, had this – we had this coach who was supposed to come in, change the p- culture, all this. And then he left after spring ball. And we, so we had an interim coach my freshman year. It was a big, yeah, it was weird. And so he comes in my sophomore year and just changes the program. And, I mean, our sophomore year, we it was the first time we made playoffs. And, I mean, and I don't know how long at SES. And I remember him keep saying it just like, all right, you know, this is going to be a foundation for something special for the future. We just, you just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. And I mean, you could, after th- hearing that for three years, you know, you go like, all right, like, all right, we made the first round. All right. Out first round out. I mean, we played Dallas Christian my first year and then Cedar Hill my second year. So, I mean, you know, it's first round b- exits by really good teams. And then not making it my senior year with because of a lot of injuries and you go, And he always kept saying, all right, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I was like, all right, so, like, where is this? Like, where where are you saying it? And, you know, two years after I leave, you know, now they're in the semifinals. And, you know, it it just speaks to the character and the commitment you put under that guy. Like, I go to war for that dude. I mean, I'm so, like, I remember so many times just going into the office and just talking life with him. You know, he makes you a better man makes you a better football player for sure makes you a better guy for Christ. And I mean, he, he was a great dude, a great asset for that school. I mean, his family is great. Like everything, and everything's about it. Like my best friend's dating his daughter. So, I mean, like we're, we're really connected with that family. Um, I'm just, I'm happy he came here. The coaching staff he brought in was great. I mean, he, he changed like, you know, there's a lot of like things about a coach changing the culture out of place and making it for the better. He really did, and, like, you could see why, because SES is so much better than what it was, and, you know, they're on the up and up right now, and I'm just excited to see the future of SES with him, so. Yeah, exactly. Ryan?
2: Um, so, like I was – like I've said before in the last podcast, um, however I am the odd one out in this podcast, I didn't actually play football in high school, um, so – but – I will say, uh, my freshman sophomore year, the coach was his name is Andrew Embry. He still works at the school. Um, Andrew Embry is a great coach. He's a great football coach. Um, he did well during his time, but at the end of the day, he's a baseball coach. He's a baseball guy, and he's done. He's done baseball forever, but he did football and baseball for a long time. And I think it was about time that you know they we we got we got a you know a football coach to come in, a guy that had experience, and, and it was worth it. And so, my junior year we had a uh, Scott Smith come in and Scott Smith was, he's a man that puts so much effort into just, you know, the kids of the school, he puts so much effort into making his football players. Right. And I think it was a good move for, you know, legacy to finally realize that, you know, they wanted another, you know, dog as a coach of the school and honestly, Scott has had a great background. His son also came with him to the school. His name is Shay Smith. I had him as a, a business management teacher one year. Um, honestly, like, is they're a good, they're a good family, good heart. Shea actually played um, quarterback at Air Force back when he played. Um, so, and he's the offensive coordinator now. So, I, I honestly have a very high. Uh, you know standards for these coaches. I, I really liked how they how they came in and immediately changed how they're gonna how the offense was gonna play. Um, and and they did well with it. They did really well with it. Um, immediately when they came in, uh, they changed the whole stigma. And I actually uh, think that when when they came in, uh, our entire program almost took a shift. Um, we shifted all the way around. To the point where we were a team going from three and seven each year to, or three and seven all the way to seven and three and it was crazy to see that kind of stuff i was so excited to see how this team had reformed and honestly i could not speak any higher of scott smith i think he's a great coach i think Shay's a great coach and i think the guys that he brought in there and the guys that he developed while he was there are just a you know a great part of his coaching and so Big up to Scott Smith, big up to Shay Smith, and also shout out to Andrew Embry, who's also now the baseball coach, but was a good football coach during my first two years of high school.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's really, really it's enjoyable to hear, and it's it shows you how much that people like coaches have an influence on kids' life, and it shows how far a good coach goes like that. So it's really, really, it's good to hear all of that. Um, now looking at coaches who are um, on the list to be eligible on the TAPS Mount Rushmore or the private school Mount Rushmore. We have Greg McClendon from Midland Christian currently has 197 and 83 record with seven state appearances and seven state championships, a clean sweep, uh, 23 years in TAPS from 98 to 2020 legend in his own right. We look at Chris Cunningham from Prestonwood, Um, from 2008 to the current being 12 years. His overall record is 121 and 40, with four state titles coming in 2009, 10, 15, and 17. After that, we see Mike Wheeler from Dallas Christian, by far the longest tenured coach at roughly year 30. Uh, He has 284 wins and four state titles as of now, Um, an impressive, uh, impressive record. And we look at Aaron Beck from All Saints, where he is in year fourteen. There, um, 107 wins, 38 losses, five SPC championships, and after that, we see Chris Hogan at Cypress Christian, who we have bragged on a lot through the podcast. Uh, he spent 2003 till 2019 at Grapevine Faith, going 151 and 152 and 61. Um, this year at Cyprus, he went five and two, and will be playing. I'm trying to think. Uh, we'll be playing in the semifinals this week. Um, total 157 and 63, roughly 17 years has at least one championship, and now we look at Steve Lees from Bel Air Episcopal. With 107 wins and 40 losses, with four state titles, um, he's a Texas High School Hall of Honor inductee, and he coached the 2019 Army All-American game. So, a very impressive resume from him. Um, lastly, we see Beck Bryden from Regents. Um, he technically stepped down as as a head coach last year, but he's still worth a mention. Um, he started the program and is and was with it for 20 years. In that time amassing 197 wins and 52 losses, made the playoffs all 20 years, 11 state title game appearances and five state titles. So someone that that started a program at Regents and made it into the premier program in the South region of Division II. So my personal picks for this Mount Rushmore out of the four is I have to go with McClendon, Bryden, lease and Wheeler. Uh, I say Wheeler. Um, he's got, he's got an ungodly amount of wins. I played against his teams for four years, coaches it very well. And as for the rest of them, I'm really looking at state championships more than anything. Cause you know, you play the game to win, you play the game to win state. And I think that's the ultimate goal and the ultimate qualifier for that. But obviously I just spent a very long time detailing all of that. What are y'all's thoughts on uh, these coaches and who would be y'all's Mount Rushmore?
2: Ah, uh, you can go.
1: You got it. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I think I'll have a good Greg McClendon. Seven seven appearances, seven championships. I mean, you gotta shout that out. Like, that's that's amazing. I mean, Chris Cunningham, I remember four state titles. And I remember the one in twenty seventeen when they beat St. Pius. That was a big time win for them. You gotta respect that there. And then Aaron Beck, being a guy from Fort Worth, I mean, I remember like Growing up as Atlas Christian, when we were not as good, when I was in elementary school and middle school, I mean, you heard of the dominance you had over there at All Saints and have the talent they've had over the years. You mean, he's been a legend in his own right, and I mean, you got to respect him there. And for me, I think I'm going to also put – I think i will do Beck Bryden. I mean, five state titles, 11 appearances – he started the program over there and he's done a great job in it. And that's why they are where they are now. And you got to respect that. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. Ryan.
2: Um, I, I, I think I'm kind of along the same lines as y'all. Obviously got McClendon in there. Um, and I got, and I also got wheel in there. I mean, that's crazy. Year 30, year 30. He's been doing it for a while um you know that's it's just been taking out most of his life and obviously he's had success at it so uh big up to him uh i'm gonna talk about chris in a second chris hogan but he is one. he's on mind even though uh i think i just have uh, a really good um i have lots to say i think i think he's a good dude and then obviously beck bryden i think he also um even though he's uh you know stepped down or whatever i think If you make the playoffs 20 years in a row, you are reloading and reloading and reloading and reloading. There was no stopping with this guy. He didn't have one bad year. Is that basically what that means? And so I think that goes a lot into him on how he does. And so 11 state title game appearances, I think that's really impressive, but I wanted to put a little bit on Hogan for a second, just because I think he's a good dude. I think he's a really good dude at heart. Um, he had, he's, he's had the 2016 state championship, um, and then he had seven semifinal appearances, which I thought was kind of impressive, even though he just couldn't get over that hump, um, to, you know, to get in there. And part of that was due to the fact that he has to play against like Dallas Christian and, and, you know, Trinity Christian Cedar Hill. So he's going up against those schools. Right. But, uh, I think he's a good dude. Um, one of the big stories that I have always kept in my heart is the one heart bowl, um, that he started with uh, the Gainesville State School, which is like the Texas Juvenile Justice Department school. Um, he what he what he did is he had faith, like uh, faith fans, whatever, like faith parents and all that kind of stuff. They formed a spirit line and they cheered for these kids that like were in state, like you know, um, like in the justice department they were basically imprisoned, and because no one would showed up to their games at all, like no one ever showed up to their games, and so. Uh, Chris basically made it so that these kids would have fans at their games because all they they did was play away games. And with people getting sent in and out of, um, you know, the Justice Department, the Juvenile Justice Department, they never had a real team. And so I think that, you know, that made national headlines for everything that has been said. But I think Chris is a really good dude. And I I think Walker could talk about him too because he knows the family a little bit. But I was going to say, I just think Chris Hogan's a really good coach and a really good dude. So I don't know. But, yeah. Oh
0: yeah for sure that's a beautiful story And you know it shows it's 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 bigger than a game um, We can talk about stats and stuff all we want But sometimes there are things that are bigger than football But if we don't have anything else to add To the Mount Rushmore segment We're now going to look at recruiting And yet again I'm going to hand it off to Walker As he has done extensive research on all of these kids So Walker how about you take
1: this Alright so the first guy I'm going to talk about Is the do kind of do segments of each one. So the 21 of the week, I'm going to talk about Houston St. Thomas Cameron Bonner, 5'11", 173, 247 has him as the 81th best player in Texas in the 89th wide receiver in the country offers Arizona, Houston, Utah, Pitt, Illinois, Texas A&M are his top six on this graphic, but I've heard, you know, on 247, you know, says it talk about Baylor having a really interest in him. So, I mean, that's another offer for him. I mean, the one thing you, you can see off the first thing is he can fly. Track times are 11.01 100-meter and 23.09 200-meter. K can flat-out go, and you can see that in the film. I mean, just he's a deep threat. can burn anybody, has great hands, and his route running is really good. You know, he reminds me a lot of, for me, Texas a and receiver and former private school player, St at Houston St. Pius chase lane. I mean, he plays a lot like similar to him. I mean, they both have, they both had great quarterbacks and uh, chase lane having Grant Ganell there. Who's at Arizona now. I mean, and for uh, Cameron Bonner, he has Maddox cop going to Houston. I mean, both they, they play extremely well. I mean, I was, I was really impressed when I put on the tape and I mean, there's a lot of underrated receivers in the state of Texas and he is totally one of them. I mean, just watch that tape, watch him fly. And it was there. It was, they are very lucky to have him at, at St. Thomas and I was really excited to watch him play. So moving on. So the next one we're going to talk about some 22s and, we're gonna see these 22 ball out next week, uh, this upcoming week at Nolan Catholic. And I'm gonna talk about the two defensive ends slash linebacker uh, for Nolan Catholic and Curly Thomas the fourth and Vincent Page. So Cur- I'm gonna talk about Curly Thomas first. You know he's 6'4, 240. He's a strong side DE. Uh, 247 has him is the 74th player in Texas. So he came from Keller Fossil Ridge. And he has offers from Arkansas, Baylor, SMU, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. So those are, those are power five big-time offers for the kid. And it just put on the tape, he reminds me a lot, not like uh, – he reminds me somewhat, I guess, of, you know, Nana Osofano-Mitza, the old uh, Nolan Catholic defensive end that's now at Notre Dame. I mean, if you just watch him, he's lanky. He's tall, lanky, and what he does really well is he's great with his hands. And you can see it in a film. He has a great get-off. He's good with his hands. And most of the time, he doesn't let many O-linemen get his hands on him. He's first there. His first punch is great. And so, like, that, you know that wingspan is really there. I mean, I wish I could I – I'm excited to see him because I'm hoping I can make it to go watch uh, Nolan play Parrish this week. And I'm really excited to watch him play if I can. Just watch the film. He's, he's, he's underrated at speed wise too. He's very athletic. His lateral movement is really good. I, I was really impressed with seeing him play. And so the other guy I'm going to talk about is Vincent Page. The twenty. Uh, he's 6'2", 266. He's a weak side defensive end, and he's the eighty eighth player in Texas. You know he also he plays. You know he plays linebacker. He can put his hand in the ground. He came from Ding Geyer last year to play at Nolan, and he also almost also transferred to Louisville, but inside of, he ended up staying at Nolan. Uh, he has offers from Baylor, Houston, Syracuse, Cincinnati, and UConn, and there's many others. I mean, watch him play. He has great lateral movement. That was the first thing I noticed. I was like, he can move from side to side. He moves really well, and he has great instincts. And, you know, he plays linebacker really well at 6'2", but, I mean, he can put his hand in there and play defensive end. And it's really, it was really interesting to see him play. You know, speed was like sneaky good, which was really interesting at 266. And I remember watching this film and it talks about like, it says shows it later and hopefully I can show it in this, but he returned a kickback for a touchdown. I mean, speed like that, you know, is underrated at 266. I was really, really impressed to see him and having them, them two on each side of the line. I mean, that is any coach in the state of Texas would want that. And you know, you got you know that defensive coordinator over there at Nolan Catholic loves to have those two guys over there. I mean, you just gotta love that. And so so the next thing I'm gonna be talking about is some guys that I think were really good and in looking into it that have zero offers. So the first guy I'm gonna talk about is this covenant Christian. I don't know where I found this dude, but this man, this guy is insane. Covenant Christian def- 2023 defensive end Enao Etta. I hope I say that right. But he is 6'4", 215, 220 as a sophomore defensive end. The kid is a – he looks the part. He passed the eyeball test. Now, this is the insane part. His stats on the year in six games, 16 sacks, 49 total tackles, 32 solo and 17 assisted, 15 tackles for loss and six pass speed downs. The kid went off this year. And I, I looked at his junior, like his, his freshman year stats, he played varsity ball, but it was nothing near that. And I, I saw that. I was like, okay, that kid that can play. And you put on the film and it's, it's extremely good. And, you know, I, I saw, like, I was going through his Twitter, you know, he's finally getting to do that interview process. He's getting interviewed now. That kid's going to blow up. And at a guy in Division three with talent like that, that is insane. And I'm really excited to see what offers he gets in the future. And that's a guy you have to pay attention to. I'm very impressed with the kid. I'm really excited to see him go. And so the next guy I'm going to be talking about that doesn't really have a lot of attention is Drew Dickey, 2022 quarterback from Austin Regents. I went and saw him play. And so, you, you know, you in public, so you have the big two in Austin. You really, you have Lake Travis and then you have Austin Westlake. And that's really the big two you really hear. You have Cedar Park, but those are the big two in Austin. That's why you see a lot of the other kids in Austin go to Austin regions. I think this is one of the one of the, the best quarterbacks in the Austin area for sure. I mean, you had Wilson Long at regions a couple years back. I mean, this guy's going to be right next to him. Six one, two ten. And he has, like, a little bit of moxie to him, which I really was interested to see. And he's just a baller. Like, I remember it was in the fourth quarter. The guy should be taken out. The game was over, and he kept still wanting to run the QB draw to get more yards. I don't know why, if he just wanted to bump his stat line, but, I mean, I got to respect it. And, you know, he he, he was telling coaches, let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I really respect that. I mean, the man can make any throw in the, in the game, and he can run the ball as well, like I said. I mean, and for me, I have to look into a lot, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, for my pick for top top twenty-two quarterback in taps next year, I mean, how he plays, and you can see it on film and then see it in person. He reminds me a lot of Preston Stone, the Parish quarterback. I mean, he the ne- the play is really never over with him. He makes the play happen. And, you know, talking to him after the game, he's a mature kid. He's respectful. But you can tell, like, the team rallies around him. And then he's that leader for that team to see how far that goes. So I was really, really intrigued with him. And I was really, uh, really impressed with him after the game. And so other guys I was going to talk about, Jordan Battles, like I talked about before. And Joshua Little, I forgot what high school he went to. But Joshua Little, I believe he's in Division III. 3 or division – yeah, he goes to Dallas First Baptist. He had, for this game against uh, Waco Riker, five catches, 103 yards. Watch this man's tape, if anyone is. He's a 21 senior, but, I mean, he's 6'2", and he – like, if you scroll through a sweater, he was cooking fools at some of these games, and you got to respect it. And I think that's a guy – like, I was just looking through getting stats. That's a kid that I don't know how doesn't have more college attention. I was really, really impressed with him and yeah that's that's my kind of my honorable mention to talk about but i was proud of him and i really excited to see if he goes somewhere big so yeah
0: oh yeah for sure no that's that's really really solid intel on a bunch of guys i know that took a lot of a lot of research i also want to shout out walker walker's working on graphics and he's working his butt off and you should be seeing that unless something happens in this episode there yeah so so it should it it should enhance the quality of everything. And I want to thank you, Walker, for doing that. Um, I got to shout out my own guys from Grace in terms of the uh, the recruiting section. Alex Quintero and Josh Murray for picking up an, an offer and uh, preferred walk on to play D one at Lamar. Uh, Coach Gibson there is doing a very good job of looking to taps and especially East Texas teams because obviously it's easy to it's easier to look in the metroplex, but East Texas kind of gets left out sometimes but he's looking specifically there to fill his roster with talent. Um, he came from Bishop Gorman and Bishop Gorman wide receiver Dozia Fetti, just committed to Lamar after also holding an offer from Houston. So it's just, it's nice to see someone hone in on taps talent and especially East Texas where I'm from, but that's all we have to talk about regarding recruiting. And now we look into the fun stuff, the D2 and D3 semifinal picks um first off uh first up in d2 we see dallas christian take on southwest christian uh the big names uh for dc are tj king sean coleman and then robertson jones and turner for southwest christian we're looking at flowers harris how
1: do you Tataravage. say that walker teta ravage tick tack as we call him <laughs>
0: <laughs> harris tic tac welch and gibson and um Uh, Texas private school football guy is going to take DC in this game to a tune of 35 to 14. And I apologize to Southwest Christian for picking against them last week. Uh, They proved me wrong. Uh, I'm gonna have to apologize again here. Uh, It's nothing personal. Um, I'm not picking against DC this year unless they're playing the Steelers. Uh, Give me DC in 14. I'm sorry, I have to uh walker i know that you're you're probably going to have something to say about that but let's see what you think
1: you know ryan you go first you know <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> i'll, I'll be, let me go
2: first <laughs> you know real that's quick. Smart. let me go first real quick and then i'll we'll, we'll section over because if i'm if i'm following you again for this fort worth pick like i did last <laughs> week and i'm gonna follow you again for dc i'm going down with you uh, no, honestly, I think DC is a great, great team. I, I obviously saw them in person. I didn't get to see a lot of games this year, unlike Walker, unlike um Wesley. And I, I haven't seen them, you know, as, as much like, you know, a bunch of teams. But I saw DC play. They're so scary. I, I, I have to say that. They're a really scary team. And I think overall, um, I don't know who's going to stop them. I, I, I said that last week. I went great when I went up against Grapevine Faith, and you know, there's some scary dudes in the comments telling me that I was wrong, but I wasn't <laughs> wrong. So, uh, overall, I think uh, DC is going to get this done, but nothing, no hate towards Southwest Christian. Like, like said, I honestly just think that DC is really good. But all right, um, yeah, Walker, speak your truth, dude. Speak your truth. It's it, oh, man,
1: you know you know as the song says my mind is telling me no but my heart is telling me yes um like i love my guys i really do and you know i really i i think honestly like here's here's what i think and and they're going ki- to kill me for this but i th- i honestly i'm going to pick dc you know you got to pick dc they're a dominant team Honestly, go guys use this for motivation. Do it. Prove me wrong. I hope you do. And I'll be right there celebrating with you. If you don't, if y'all, if y'all upset, I want that upset so badly, but I, I got to go DC. And I, I think it's gonna be it's going to be closer than what people expect that wing T offense surprises a lot of people. And when it runs into perfection, I think it'll be really good. And I don't think maybe, I don't think a lot of people, I don't think DC maybe have seen that this year. I mean, they had the triple option over at Legacy. They had to defend, yes. But, I mean, Wing T is a whole different ballgame, and I think that's going to be something different. It's going to be maybe hopefully they struggle with. But, I mean, I just think they're too talented. I, that DC is my pick to win it all. Um, so, yeah, I think DC is going to win. But I I hope I, – I will be with my guys if they pull off the upset, and I hope the best for them. But, you know – you. You got it. If I, if you can't be biased, I mean, I got, I can't be biased. So yeah.
0: Oh no, that would be a crazy feeling. And listen, I feel, I feel bad picking about picking against Southwest again. You know, if they were playing anyone, but DC, I probably wouldn't. However, it's just, it's a situation where they force my hand and I apologize. And let's see if they can prove me wrong again. But moving on, we see Austin Regents taking on Houston second Baptist and uh, big names for Regents, we see Dickey, Tazak, Votile, and Franklin. And for Houston Second Baptist, we see Nicholas, Gaines, uh, Smith, and Skillern. I probably yeah. butchered at least three of those names, but it is what it is. Uh, and I've been I've been talking about this all episode. This is arguably the game of the week, in my opinion. And these teams are much closer, in my opinion, than people realize. Like I said, I think people... People see Regents, and it's more of a household name in TAPS, and they're just going to pick Regents without thinking about it. And, you know, they get more recognition, and rightfully so, because they have traditionally dominated this region, albeit only to serve as the sacrificial lamb to Trinity for the past three years. But, you know, they, they have been dominant much longer than that. Um, like I mentioned, I'm very high on Coach Pertle. I think he might be the most underrated coach in TAPS, amassing eight straight district championships out of the South. After leading Brookhill to its first state championship in 2011, um, I legitimately think this is a coin flip game. Uh, Regents has been dominant all year long, but then again, so has Second Baptist. Uh, You know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to side with Texas Taps guy. He took Houston Second Baptist 28 to Regents 21. I'm going to take Second Baptist as well. So I think this game is very close regardless. So, Walker, what do you have to say about this?
1: I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it's gonna be a coin flip. I mean, I'm I, I just I think watching Regents play and see it is they have a lot of guys on defense that are gonna be underrated. I know I don't know their names, but I know number two, number twenty three on that defensive side, those are big time players for them for sure. And I, I think I think it's just gonna go over the hump I, I I'm going to pick Austin Regents to make it to the state championship.
0: That's fair. Ryan, let's let's break the tie here. Who are you picking?
2: Yeah, so if I'm being completely honest, uh, I I, I I mean, at least you say break the tie, but I might just be putting it to a tie again because <laughs> of Taps, you know, or a uh, Texas high School football guy. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but no, I, yeah, Regents, I, I think Regents is really good, but don't get me wrong here because I will say this, and I did, I said it earlier. I like uh, I like the couple guys that are on the second Baptist team. Let me pull up their names real quick. Nicholson and uh, Eli Smith. I like both those guys a lot, and I want those guys to prove me wrong. I really do. I want those guys to l- look at this and, and, you know, and show me that I'm wrong. But if I'm being honest, I, I, I see the hype. I hear the hype. I You know, I, I listen to all of it, and it's kind of hard with all these people in my ears saying – you know, the region stuff trying to go against them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if I'm being honest, I'm going for Regents, but I, I, like you said, like you both, you've said coin flip. I I totally agree that it definitely could be a coin flip and I definitely could see Nicholson or Eli prove me wrong. So.
0: Yeah, we'll see. You know, like I said, this is a huge game. I'm going to be sure to follow this as it's happening and, you know, we'll see the outcome because I think obviously the winner of this is going to face, the winner of D.C. Southwest Christian in the Division II State Championship. So, again, this is a very, very huge game. But moving into Division Three, we see Covenant versus Lake Country. That's Lake Country, not Lake County. Uh, big names for Covenant, we see Sheets, um, the Wells Brothers, Calabrese. And for, for Lake Country, we see Whites, Hollingsworth, and Lindsay. Uh, Texas taps guy is going to take um, Covenant Christian in this game thirty five to twenty eight and you know God for to hell with the analysis God forbid I bet against Covenant here give me them
2: <laughs> yeah I'm I'm gonna go Covenant too honestly I I think I I, I love Sheets I think Sheets is incredible yeah. and I think Sheets is a guy. Uh, who knows? We'll see if Sheets puts up another three-plus touchdown. He had five in that game. Who says he's not going to have three-plus again? I, I love Austin Sheets. I think this kid's an incredible. Um, and then also, uh, the defense, five interceptions. Like I said earlier, this team is crazy. Um, ta- I know uh, a, a Texas private school football guy said 35-28, to 28, but in my true opinion, I almost have uh, uh, what's it called uh, a covenant Christian buy more because I think this defense is too powerful. And I think this office is too powerful. Um, honestly, I'm really excited to see what Covenant does. And I think they could have – they could recreate another one of those games like they did against Grace Prep, but in this, this time do it against, um, you know, do it against Lake Country. So I, I believe that at least.
1: Yeah. For me, I want to make a short and sweet. I'm picking Covenant. I like Sheets, the Wells brothers. And knowing about that guy, Nick now – yeah, I think that's ball game.
0: So, oh, exactly. Um, our final Division Three game, we see Cypress versus San Antonio Holy Cross. Big names here for Cypress. We see Landrum and Story, and for Holy Cross, we see battles like we talked about: um, Jimenez, Adio, Rodriguez, and Ali. Texas Tap guy is going to take Cypress twenty-one uh, to San Antonio Holy Cross twenty. Um, I say it's another coin flip game. You know, I've almost talked myself out of this pick with how much we've talked up Holy Cross. Um, They're two very talented teams. However, you know, I've been too high on Cyprus to give them up now. Give me Cyprus on a close one.
2: I'm going to go – I'm going to go – oh, geez. So, my heart is telling me Hogan. My heart is telling me Chris Hogan, but at the same time, I'm looking at Holy cross and I see battles and I see, uh, uh, Jimenez, uh, Cedillo. And I, I can't think to think, I I can't think to, you know, look at that and say anything else other than Holy cross is just, you know, a really powerful team. We have talked about them a lot, this podcast, but if I'm being honest, I I'm, I'm here for the hype. I like Holy cross in this game. Um, I think they get the victory. Uh,
1: yeah, I agree. I, Love Jordan Battles, and I, I am very happy I found out that name this week, and any guy who can look like that and play like how, how he does, give me him. I'm going to Holy Cross this week.
0: God damn, I'm just getting ganged up on from all angles here. Hey, but man, no, I- that means... <laughs>
2: You know what that means, though? That means your uh, your pick uh, – what's it called? Your pick uh, record can go up a little bit because, you know, you're on the opposite side of us. Oh, exactly.
0: Yep. No, if I hit all of these, I'm going to be looking really good. And if I don't, I'm going to be <laughs> in the gutter, and I'm going to have all these guys' dads yelling at me. So, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. We'll figure uh, it out. Uh... But um, that's actually all of the Division Two II and Three analysis. And now we get into the fun stuff. The Division One and Division Four state games, and we will start with the big boys in Division One. We see Parish Episcopal take on Nolan Catholic, and listen, uh, everyone knows about these two teams. Um, basically, I'm not going to mince words. Nolan took the first game, 31 to 14, back in November. Okay. And it feels wrong betting against either of these teams because they're both so good. We talked about Nolan's just elite combination of defensive ends. You counter that with with Stone for Parrish and Parrish's offensive line with their stud left tackle. Um, I think that Parrish is a different team now than they were um, the first matchup. And I feel like their offensive and defensive lines dictate the game and allow them to take their second state title in as many years. Um, Walker, what do you think? Because again, I think this game yet again, uh, before I move on, uh, sorry, um, Texas Taps guy also takes Parrish in this game. And it seems like I'm just kind of piggybacking off of everything he says as of now, but you know, it's another one of these coin flip games. I mean, there's, there's very little margin of error and all these games are probably going to be within seven points, but Walker, what do
1: you think? Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know what, you know, I love Parrish. You know, one guy we haven't really talked about a lot was Jaden Jones. So he came from Pantigo last year and he transferred into Parrish this year and he's committed to SMU. That kid's a stud. And I think that's a guy that SMU got a steal in the DFW area with. But I mean, there's a lot of other guys, you know, Christian Benson, he's another great guy. Um, But, you know, I'm going to roll with my hometown I'm. A, they're going to represent the eight one seven in this game. You know, I'm going to go with Nolan Catholic, Coach Bowden. Go Vikings this Friday or this Saturday, and I'm going to pick Nolan Catholic.
0: Okay, Lee Corso, put the put the Viking head on. Let's see it. But uh, but Ryan, are you going to just continue to side with Walker and, and
2: kick me to the side? or Are you gonna you gonna take my side on this one? So, even though Nolan Catholic beat Paris last time. I would still like to bring up that Preston Stone still had two touchdowns and still had 222 yards. I would like to mention also that he still had 63 yards rushing. Preston Stone was still Preston Stone. The, the, you know, the defense just played a little bit you know a little bit less that game, right? So if I'm being completely honest, I love Preston Stone. I think Preston Stone's an elite player. I think he's an elite quarterback and honestly, I could see him getting the job done. I'm going to pick Parrish. I think Parrish gets the win. Um, they're going to they're take that energy from losing last time by 17, and they're going to bring it all right back, and they're going to win it in the state championship. That's what I say. Parrish
0: gets the ball. And just to back up my point, we see, like I said, they're a different team than they were earlier in the year. You saw right. what happened. They were close. It was a close game with Midland earlier in the year. They just blew them out. So you know that's kind of the reasoning I'm taking to this game, but you know football is a funny game, and everything I just said probably means nothing. We'll see you on Friday or Saturday. So that'll be that'll be a very very electric matchup. Probably the most talented game played this season in terms of athletes on the field. Um, if you're in the area, go watch, please. It'll be a it'll be electric. But now. We move into our final topic, which is the Division IV State Championship, where we see Shiner St. Paul take on Waco Bishop Riker. Uh, Big names for Riker, who is actually surprisingly loaded with talent for a Division IV team. We have 21 running back Eli Cummings, who, as we mentioned, is committed to the University of Idaho. 21 quarterback Jake Boozer, who has an offer from Drake. Uh, uh, For St. Paul, we see Kai, good Lord, Kai Geese and Zach Johnson and you know uh, Texas Taps guy is going to take Riker 35 to 28 he also mentioned it could be a toss-up I say Shiner has to stop Cummings in the run game if they want any chance here and you know they're averaging 20 points given up this season so their defense is their defense is pretty good so we'll see if that carries into this game Um, However, I just – Riker, in my opinion, has too much talent. I don't think that St. Paul will be able to stop uh, Cummings, give me Riker in another close game. So what do you all think? Walker, let's start with you. Uh,
1: I think I'm going to go with Riker here. You know, watching film and looking into – Eli Cummings is a great back, and he's a great addition for that team. And Underrated quarterback, and I think Texas Texas private school guy, sorry – has him rated as like the 10th best quarterback in 21. Jake Boozer is a very underrated quarterback, and I think he passed for like 1,500 yards, like ran for 1,000 yards last year. So he's a very underrated quarterback in taps this year, and I'm very excited to see him play this game. And, you know, I wish I could have went and saw that game, but I'm for sure you're going to try to go watch Parrish Nolan at 7 p.m., drive down from Fort Worth to go to Waco and watch that game, so hopefully see at least a half. But I mean, I'm excited, you know, going to watch those games in Waco. Hey, you know what? Yeah, Waco Riker, hometown advantage. Maybe go get the, the town to go watch
2: him play in Waco.
0: Hundred percent, Ryan. What do you What do you have to say here?
2: So, I'm I'm bagging off the the what's it called? I'm I'm a, I'm gonna be the one to be, uh, you know, the two to one in this scenario, all right? Or the three to one in this scenario. Okay. I'll pick in Shiner State Paul. And the reason why I'm doing it is solely because I have a great amount of faith in Mr. Zach Johnson. (laughs) I think Zach Johnson is just... if if he's a guy that can do all that in one game, what's to say he can't do in the state championship game on a bigger level? I I think this kid is just absolutely incredible. Um, like if you didn't you know if you didn't hear it the first time, you're going to hear it again. Uh, rushing two twenty two yards, four touchdowns, an onside kick recovery, an interception. This man does it all. I honestly think who's to say he can't do at least half of that again, and it would still be an impressive game. So. Overall, uh, I'm I'm gonna what's it called? I'm taking Shiner St. Paul, but yes, like y'all said, it'll be a close game as well.
0: Well, there we go. I like that. That that shakes it up a little bit. It makes it interesting. Put something on the line. But that is actually all the analysis we have here. Also, a big congratulations to all of the teams that have made the state so far. This is the apex of their season. and It's a huge moment for all of these kids, and I hope all of you maximize the talents you've been given. And you, we see that play out, um, on the field, but it is actually now almost two in the morning where we are. I am starving and I really want to go grab some water burger. So We're going to wrap it up here. Hopefully we've, uh, we've, we've made a nice episode for you to get ready for these, uh, state semifinal and state games. But, um, if we don't have any closing comments, I have been one third of your hosting crew, Wes Tollison. Yet again, I want to thank you Walker and Ryan for joining me and we will see you in the next episode. Peace.